Are some people lightning rods for paranormal experience? Why is it that certain individuals seem to attract high strangeness wherever they go, where others simply live otherwise normal lives? These are some of the questions I asked paranormal researcher and former FBI special agent John D'Souza, also known as the X-Man, author of three riveting books, The Para-Investigators, The Extra-Dimensionals, and his latest, Clear Hearers. What he had to share certainly shed light on the shadow of mystery that surrounds some of these unsuspecting individuals plagued with the paranormal. I am so delighted to finally be sitting next to none other than the X-Man, Mr. John D'Souza, all the way here from, all the way here from Arizona. Yep, Tucson, all the, Arizona. <laughs> not yep. too far. Yeah. I'm from Boston, so we, right. we have traveled to be here for the sixth annual contact in the desert. We're in day two, and the energy has been nonstop. So I was really fortunate to be able to snag the X-Man. We're going to have him explain where that name came from. Uh, but we're going to have a fantastic conversation. I'm so excited sure. because we're going to be going into the paranormal, uh, which those of you who know the great work of John know that this is this is his work, even after 25 years uh, as an FBI special right. investigator. So what a switcheroo there. I'm going to trust that a lot of you know who John is. We'll make sure we have all the information on his background, but he's, all, he's ubiquitous. He's all over the place. So rather than go into his background again, I'm going to get to the heart of the matter. Good. We're going to be talking about paranormal encounters, the people that have them, yes. and why some people seem to be magnets for yeah. multiple experiences yeah. uh, where others, I think it's fair to say that most of us will have an experience or two in our lifetime, whether we tell about it or not. And so yeah. today we're going to be talking about actually a woman who, uh, for the audience, who had heard a show that I had recently done on uh, my conscious commentary, my most recent show, by the time you hear this, probably not, uh, where I covered the idea of people who what I, I call are serial paranormal experiences yeah. and where that may be coming from. Right. And so as a result of that show, which we'll make sure to link for you, I got a very, very revealing uh, a testimonial from a, a young woman in New York City who we're going to call Lisa, not her real name, who was kind enough to give us permission to uh, have you listen to this, um, uh, this particular testimony as well as the audience. And we're about to roll into it right now. So I want uh, to have you indulge us. It's about 10 minutes long, but it's going to be well worth it. Listen to what Lisa had to say, and then John and I are going to chat about the multiplicity of experiences that she has had. Listen to this. Hello, Alexis. So I'm going to try to tell my stories uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, if you do listen to this, I really appreciate it. Okay, one of the earliest experiences that I remember uh, happened as a child. I was maybe eight or nine and uh, I had a nanny at the time and her daughter uh, Leslie used to come to visit on a regular basis. This one particular day I was taking a bath and there was a knock at the bathroom door and it was Leslie and she says hey uh, I want to see you before I leave and I said well I just got into the tub like I can, you know I'll see you next time and she said, well, I don't have very long. I really want to see you and say bye before I go. And I'm thinking, like, what is the urgency? I see this woman all the time. I was like, really, I'm in the water. And she kept, oh, sorry, she kept knocking on the bathroom door. So eventually I get out of the water. I 
dry off, I open the bathroom door, she's not there. I look down the hall, she's not there. I walk down the hall to the living room to ask my nanny, like, uh, did Leslie leave already? And she goes, oh, she's not here. I said, oh, she left? I said, no, she didn't come here today. I go, yes, she did. I was just talking to her. And she's like, no, she, it's impossible. Um, and no more than five minutes later, there was a phone call. Uh, apparently, there was, uh, Leslie was in a car accident and she had passed away. She, she died in the car accident. And it changed what I, the meaning of, it's kind of creepy, gave me the chills. Um, so when she was coming to say goodbye, I mean, it was literally coming to say goodbye. And I remember being so afraid to go to bed that night because I thought she was going to come back and visit me. And I had to just tell her, you know, hey, it's not that I don't love you. Uh, I just don't think I would be ready if you showed up. Uh, <laughs> so that was one of the early experiences. And everyone kept telling me that it's impossible. You must have been dreaming. I don't take naps in the bathtub, but I know what I experienced, I knew what I heard, I knew I was having a, com a back and forth conversation across the door with someone, but everyone tells me it's impossible that I was my imagination. Um, another experience uh, happened as a teenager, and I had a lot of experiences, but this one was interesting. Uh, sometimes you just dismiss things, you know, like if you think you heard something or you saw something, you try to rationalize it, or you felt something touch your foot, and you're like, oh, it's a, a twitch, you know, whatever. Uh, but this one particular day, something was making itself very known to me. It was, uh, I guess you would call it a poltergeist type experience. I was at the stereo, uh, and I was about to put a CD in, like when people still use CDs, and <laughs> I was about to put the CD in, and the stereo started acting really weird, like the lights kept flashing on and off, the door kept opening and closing on its own, it was just acting very erratic. And I kid you not, on the display it said 6 minutes and 66 seconds, and it started flashing, which is impossible. You can't get 66 seconds on a clock. And I knew, like I wasn't afraid, I mean I guess you seeing the number 66 should like scare someone but I felt like I didn't think it was demonic I just felt like it was trying to get my attention and I was more annoyed because I wanted to listen to music I said seriously knock it off and it stopped like it just completely stopped so that happened and um oh my my whole family has had experiences I mean some of them some members in the family haven't experienced it and other people have and of course the people who haven't experienced it think the ones who have are a little crazy. My grandmother, she's very religious so she sees it from the religious filter and instead of calling it I guess as you know an alien or something she thinks it's demonic. Um, when you on your in the podcast in the story you were telling about the person who sees people and they can tell that they're not human my grandmother has been out and she will call out someone for being like a demon it's embarrassing uh, <laughs> but she is adamant I don't see it but she is adamant about it um, so uh, then I have a little cousin who 
I remember one day he was downstairs um, at my family's house. He was playing, and he ran upstairs to get me, and he said, can you please tell the man to leave me alone? I said, who? I said, there's a man, a little person with a pointy hat downstairs. I said, here? So I go downstairs to go investigate, and I didn't see anything, but he was terrified. He was very scared. So I just, you know, communicated to the, the heir, whoever the entity was, hey, leave my cousin alone. If you bother him, you're going to have to deal with me. So I, you know, comforted my little cousin, and I said, you know, if he comes back, you let me know. And he seemed to be fine, and he went back to playing. Um, so that happened, and I'm, I know I'm rambling. There's just, just so many stories I'm trying to cram in. Um, another thing that happened to me, uh, there's a, a weird thing that I, this is probably a dream, but I think I saw like a weird ritual, uh, which I know it was a dream, but I don't know if it was um, just like a very vivid lucid dream or if I teleported somewhere or astral traveled rather to another place because what I was about, what I stumbled upon, I knew I wasn't supposed to see and I didn't think they could see me, but the people there noticed that I was there and they came after me. But uh, maybe I'll skip that one. It's That was disturbing. But um, just my other story is I saw a strange light in the sky, which is, I guess, not uncommon for, you know, UFO type of sightings. But I saw this light flashing and it would dim and, you know, it was pulsating and it would shift left and right. Now, I live in New York City, so this is unusual, uh, and I would think other people would see something like this. And I'm just like, I'm studying this thing. But the thing that was really the strangest part of it is I remember things became very calm. Like, everything was very quiet. There was no movement in the sky, no planes. It's just that light that I saw and a kind of telepathic acknowledgement of each other. There's like, I could tell that they knew that I could see them. It was just like, okay, I see that you see me. And it was just like this pause. And then it was gone. It zipped away. And I tend to be very logical and I try to find, you know, logical explanations for things. But this was weird. And I remember I went online. I was seeing, did anyone else see it? I'm like looking on the news, which of course, I know better now that it wouldn't have been on the news had it been true sighting anyway, but I'm thinking, okay, I'm looking on Twitter, like someone else had to see this. I saw a posting from a young man out on Long Island. He saw the same thing, but he saw it the day before, but he described it the exact same way. He actually thought it was in space, like it was like some kind of pulsar or, you know, one of those pulsating stars. He'd, we try to like what in the world and other people saw it uh, but it was the strange thing is people saw it on different days uh, so I'm not sure like you know what that's about but it was weird and this will be my last one and I promise if you're still listening to this you're amazing um, I know this was was a dream but something weird happened I had a dream that I saw um, like a, an orb that looked like a miniature sun um, floating in the sky 
but it was going past me in very slow motion. I was sitting on the bluffs, on, on the cliff, um, in the dream, and I watched it go across the sky, and I just watched it slowly go. And when I woke up that morning, there was on the news that people saw a fireball um, streak across the sky in Harrison, uh, New York. I believe it's Harrison, and it was people. It was a couple blogs and a couple of video clips, and people were talking about it. And I mean, it was it happened when I had my dream. Like I had this dream, and apparently there was a fireball in the sky that multiple multiple people did see. So. I don't know what that means. Now, to sum this all up, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm talking so much. Uh, when I was younger, I've always felt like I've had um, a guide or like not an invisible friend, but I had this telepathic communication with someone or something. And I remember that guide sharing information with me. And it's weird because, you know, years later, I'm an adult and I've learn and study about metaphysical things and Kabbalah and this and that. And the things that I talked about with that person as a kid are parallel to things that I, I'm learning now that are on the cutting edge of what people are saying about the quantum, you know, universe and holographic universe and all this stuff. I were, it's like, I already knew all this, or I had, I had these conversations already with this entity or guide or whatever you want to call it. The thing that they told me that stood out to me was that there was something about my, in my blood, like a code or a, a message or something. And maybe that what they were trying to communicate to me was DNA, because obviously as a little kid, I wouldn't understand the concept of DNA. So maybe what they were saying to me was tr trying to express that, if that makes any sense. So again, like I said, I don't know... I know from I know my own personal experiences. I know that there are other people in my family who've had different uh, experiences, but I know I'm not the only person in my family to have unusual things um, happen or see unusual things. So um, I, I hope I covered the points I wanted to make. Again, thank you if you did listen to this, uh, you took the time to listen to it. Um, I've been listening to your podcast and watching the YouTube videos. Uh, I'm not one to usually like leave comments or uh, like email people, but I felt moved to do it today when I heard uh, what your message was about. So thank you again. Hope you're doing well, and I will still be out there listening to your work. Okay, we're back. That was uh, that was about ten minutes long, but I think it was just loaded with uh, innuendo, loaded with. Uh, I don't know what's what's going on. You you've I, heard this, and I think that thought. Lisa represents something that is very common, which is in two ways. I think she is a node, a, a, a magnifying point, a, a magnetic point in time and space that attracts paranormal experiences. Yeah, and I think it's according to her consciousness. I think there's a lot of individuals like this that are lightning rods for these types of experiences and not a single type of experience either. Right. We're talking crossover that can be ghostly experiences, uh, UFO experiences, because these people attract all types yeah. of paranormal experiences. And that's a common thing. It's a very it common thing. It is common. Yes. And I believe that there is, uh, there is, 
some there is a fa some false assumptions here and but they're not the way that you would think what I think the false assumptions where they're based is that all of these people that people like Lisa are real and they are real lightning rods for paranormal experiences but all these people who have one experience or two experiences in their life I believe that those people are also lightning rods for paranormal experiences but the only difference is that they have fear and they mm. try to shut it down avoid it and those experiences would be coming to them en masse the way it does with Lisa right if they just would open themselves up sure I agree with you I, I have said that uh, consistently that I might my, my sense is that perhaps all of us have had I, I say at least one or two experiences but there's so many inhibitors not to mention culture and and yes. teaching you know yes. uh, and and I think there's been a, a major indoctrination to right. not look at these things right and, and we can get perhaps get into the conspiracy behind that but maybe yeah. not this time but no. the thing that I thought was so interesting John was this inter I want to say interdimensional that I got interdimensional on the mind. Yeah. Intergenerational link. Mm. Clearly, we're talking about yeah. the grandmother, the cousin. Yes. And yeah. she said unequivocally that this seems to run in the family. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? There seems to be that sort of thing. Uh, as we investigate these cases of people who are experiencers in the UFO area and even ghostly experiences, there seems to be this repetition in the generations okay. uh, where they're, they find you find out they're their grandparents had experiences like this, their, their parents, and it repeats in them and their children as well. And we don't know what the reason really is for that, but you know, some people, people hypothesize, they, they theorize that it's something to do with their DNA markers. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That their particular DNA markers have something that attracts this sort of thing, and that's passed on through the blood to generate day, different generations. So Absolutely. this would fall into the biological, when I did the show on uh, paranormal encounters, or some people wired for paranormal experiences, or wired to the weird, I think is what I call right. it. Uh, I looked at three different categories one, that I sort of came up on my own, three different characteristics or aspects, biological, psychological, and intergenerational. And it, there's always gonna be, I think, cross-correlations. Right. In Lisa's case, I think we're talking about biological and intergenerational. So, uh, yeah, it's just fascinating. Uh, let's just step back for a minute because we, we can't have, those of us that do the work that we do cannot have these conversations out of context. Not only are, not only are we, do we, <laughs> what is it, play a doctor on TV or something like that? We, we actually have lived these experiences. You have had paranormal experiences yourself. Yes, I did. Would you mind sharing one or two with us sure. that we might be able to relate to? Sure. When I was about 10 years old, growing up in New York City, my uh, parents took me out to some party in some uh, area of New York City, and it was a big reception hall uh, out, out in the uh, city somewhere. And there were hundreds of people there, and all the little kids uh, kind of found each other, uh, found me and found each other, and we just kind of went out into the night, and we were playing, playing Rigolivio Tag, Mm -hmm. And he got really spirited, and one of the kids uh, hit me in the stomach. I went down on the sidewalk, and one of the kids said, he's really hurt. And so they all ran out and ran back to the rental hall. And I was left out there. It was about 1 in the morning, way past all our bedtimes. And it was 1 in the morning, and it was a beautiful starry night. So I was staring up at the stars, 
and I stood up because there was a, a spot up in the stars that was black, completely black. And I was trying to figure out what that was. And it was a black ink cloud. A black ink cloud. That blotted out this entire area of the sky. Uh-huh. And so I kept looking at it. And then uh, from the bottom of this black ink cloud came these spotlights. And then the spotlights came towards me. And I got hit with that uh, bluish-green uh, spotlight that so many witnesses I've interviewed in the years since have felt that spotlight. It's always like a bluish, greenish sort of color, and it comes from this 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 UFO-shaped disc vehicle that comes down with light spinning in the bottom and comes down towards me, and it's coming towards me, and I'm just looking up at it, and then two teenage girls appeared on my left, and they were looking up at the same thing I was. So they saw. They saw it, it also. Wasn't just you. They were okay. screaming. They were trying to hug, hold on to each other looking up at the thing and one of them screamed at me little boy you better run home might be the end of the world <laughs> and when she said that it kind of woke me up i stepped back out of the spotlight that i'd been hit with and the ufo kind of changed its mind at the same time we both changed our mind i stepped back and the thing reversed course and started going back up into that black ink cloud and then the cloud disappeared it was gone and those girls by the way were also gone and i didn't uh, i didn't think more about it. I just turned and ran out of there as fast as I could. Ran back to the hall, uh, which was like a half a mile away. Ran back to the hall where my parents were and I tried to tell them what happened and, and that didn't go too well. Wow. I think I've heard you tell that one before, but here's, an, here's a spin I'd like to put on it. We hear countless stories of people that have had craft sightings and yet it's more than just something that you're experiencing with your eyes. Right. There seems to be some exchange of information yes. between the craft right. and the, the witness. That's right. We're talking about a consciousness exchange, right. and I'd love to have you talk about that. Now, as yeah. a, at the time you were a child, yes. I, I doubt you were thinking, oh, you know, this is about consciousness, but I, I know that you know that this is a yeah. big discussion now, that yes. this may be more of a metaphysical connection than just a visual sighting. Let's yes. talk about that. It is, because when that spotlight hit me, I was looking up at this thing, and there's, a, there's different levels to the realizations. And one of the levels is that there's a feeling that you're looking at a living thing. In other words, that the ship itself is a conscious being. Uh, I wouldn't say biological, but something akin to biological, that it's actually alive. Not because there's something inside of it, but because the thing itself feels like it's alive and it's looking at you and you uh, another level and another level of it is that you feel that you feel that scan and it feels like it's going through you completely to the cellular level and collecting everything really? about you and you felt that as I a child yes how, tell us again how yeah. old you were i was 10 years old okay young yeah. but not yeah. you know you knew something odd or yeah. different was going on i mean i couldn't articulate it the way i am now at that time but now i can articulate the feeling right but the feeling was there at that time right and i felt that this thing was collecting everything about me and taking it back with oh, it oh interesting and that's what and also hmm. another level of it it was that I felt an otherworldliness to this thing. Mm -hmm. In other words, I felt that it was non-human and not associated well, to anything yeah. human. That was a sense that I got from it because I didn't see it 
because one of the things when you have UFO cases, you're supposed to be able to prove that it has characteristics that are non-human because it moved at light speed, you know, and did something. And in this case, I didn't see it do maneuvers that were extraterrestrial that couldn't be done by human craft. Right. But I had a spiritual sense that this was something non-human. And that's the only way I can say it. That's, that's interesting. the only way I can Didn't necessarily it. associate it. When we think of a being, a non-human human being, but we think of a, an intelligent, corporeal uh, yeah. being. Yeah. But in this case, you're saying that the craft in and of itself had its own measure of consciousness. We've yes. heard this before. Yes. Some have speculated that there's a plasma aspect going on. Yes. Um, I'm going to I'm going to apologize to our audience because I know that if I can hear what you're what, what's going on, you can too. This is par for the course when we're outside folks, so indulge us. We're going to keep rolling though because this is good stuff and we're on a roll. Ah, they heard there us. Go. There we go. Uh, so yeah, this idea of consciousness being a part of the equation. Let's correlate this back to Lisa because I want to kind of keep her as our, our focus here. Now she gave us a whole litany of examples and again making the point of these cross correlations. It's not just UFO sightings, one of which was in a dream or was it a dream where she had saw a sort of light orb like a second sun or something like that, like yes. a sun figure. Yes. had the dream and I think what she said is that in actuality people reported the same exact image in the 3D in the waking world while she was having this dream. Mm -hmm. Where does consciousness come into play in a scenario like that? One of the ways that it comes into play and this is tricky thinking but and it is it is kind of a trick that uh, a lot of people it's difficult to grasp. When you, Once you go into multi-dimensional realities uh, something, things can be more than what they are. In other words, uh, if you are you are Alexis, once you cross over into the multi-dimensional, you can be Alexis, and you can be several other versions of Alexis, and several different incarnations or expressions of Alexis as well. So, in other words, she's having this. She could have a, a lucid dream. But at the same time as it's a lucid dream, it can be a very real, concrete reality going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because the moment we exit this time and space, we exit the the limited uh, physical world that we have, things can be more than one thing. Absolutely, and they and they often are. Right. Right. So that's it's a it's a tricky way of thinking about it, but that's why she could be having that lucid dream. But it could also be a reality, a very concrete reality that's going on, and it could be, and it could be something involving uh, alien visitor that's coming to her, that's speaking to her. But at the same time, it could also be a ghostly experience as well. It could be other things too. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I think that first story of Leslie was just stunning. Not the first time I've heard this. I'm going to tell a story if I may. Because when I, I actually was uh, uh, able to uh, speak with Lisa after she sent me the recording, and again, thanks to Lisa for allowing us to share this with all of you. She felt that if it helps other people sort of come out with their experiences, then great. So thanks to Lisa. Um, but in terms of the, the Leslie story, this is what I would call a classic case of 
someone signaling to someone else that they're about to cross over or even at the time of crossing over. Now, at the time, Lisa was only eight or nine. She's in the bathtub, you know, very typical scene, knock on the door. And I, I said to her, I said, Lisa, you know, you have to question still. You sure? Did you see her? And she said, well, no, I didn't. But I heard her as if I knew it was uh, it was Leslie. Uh, and she, she was insistent on saying goodbye. Here's the quick story about Whitney Houston. Also, not seeing her, be, uh, oh. is, it fits in with the physical things if you're an investigator that you know about consistent reality because when you're in a bathtub, you're, you're laying there and you're kind of facing one particular way. And if you hear someone that you've known a thousand times, their voice, there's really no reason for you to go get up and turn right. around and look at the person. Right. Well, she was in the tub, so right. she, and she was actually arguing with her, saying, "I'm right. in the I'm in the bathtub. Right. I can't get out." Right. But here's the quick story on Whitney Houston, still stunning to me. It was 2012, and ironically, we were on our way out to California to the Conscious Life Expo uh, when she passed. But here's a story that I actually mention in my book about a similar experience at the time. Whitney Houston crossed over in Beverly Hills, California. Her mother is in New Jersey. I'll try to make this quick and succinct. Obviously, the mother hadn't gotten news of, of Whitney's passing as yet. She was the mother. Sissy Houston was in her home, a uh, beautiful uh, apartment complex somewhere in New Jersey, and was sitting there uh, doing whatever. And she hears, I believe it was the doorbell ringing because she had a doorbell. She goes to the door, and there's no one there. She's like, hmm, that's interesting. The interesting thing is that she lives in a very sort of, um, you know, well-secured uh, environment. So there's a bellman, and they don't let anyone up to her apartment without announcing first. So she goes to, she calls front desk. Did anyone just come up to see me? No, Miss Houston, I'm sorry. No one has come by here. She waits for a little while. Another knock at the door. Goes to the front, opens the door, no one's there. I believe this happened three times. Oh. She mentioned this, actually, in the book that she wrote shortly after Whitney passed. And she said, once this, the third time it happened, she said, I knew that it was my precious Nippy, that was the nickname for Whitney, coming to see me. She had promised to come see me right after the Grammys was over. And I know she kept her promise. Mm -hmm. That was her at the door. Very similar, very stunning. So when Lisa shared her story about Leslie, I thought, here we go again. How common is something like this, do you think? I think it's very common. You do? I've had experiences like that uh, that I talk about in my books, and everyone that I interview has had experiences really? like that as well. Uh, yeah, and okay. I mean, for my own, I had a I had my mother who was a very powerful psychic uh, growing up, and not not a willing psychic. She was not happy about it, uh, but she did have these abilities. And so when she passed away, when I was uh, when I was in law school, mm -hmm. I was. Uh, I was thinking that I would get a visit from her right away after she passed. And 10 years passed, mm -hmm. and on the anniversary of her death, uh, I finally had a, well, a, what I believe was a lucid dream. But it was also real, like we talk about these multidimensional realities. And in that lucid dream, she came to me and she explained to me uh, what the delay was and how, did what she? she was doing. And it was well, an amazing, she, amazing experience. Can you share with us what did, some of what she said? What the deal? De yes, she showed me. She showed me the world where she existed at that time, which was very uh, beautiful and very luxurious and very interesting. 
and there's a lot of I put a lot of those details. Oh, in my latest book, the uh, the Clear Hearers, uh, because that's where that experience is. There's a very there's a lot of details to it, because she basically uh, at first I didn't know who she was, because she had me come to her, and she was in the form of a 16 year old girl. So common. And I had only seen one picture of her at that age in my whole life. So I barely knew who this was or why I had been brought to this scene. And uh, she just started hugging me and kissing me. And eventually I realized who she was. Yeah. And then she explained to me uh, everything. She showed me around and it was really crazy. Do you feel you were there? That's oh, I know I was thing. there. You were there. I you know weren't I was just there. viewing this as a screen. Oh, you were no, in the environment. Yes. And it was more concrete than this world right here that we're in right now. I've heard that many times. Yes. You and I were talking offline about this sort of intersection of 3D and other dimensions, if you will, yes. and this idea of um, interdimensional or rips. I, I, I was just talking yeah. to Linda Moulton Howe. We just interviewed her right. yesterday, and this is this is coming up so much today yeah. uh, in terms of these rips in the fabric of our 3D reality that are giving us insight into yeah. what is happening elsewhere. Yeah. Gateways and wormholes. Let's talk about that for yeah. a little bit. You had a name, um, and this you believe relates to the, to the morphogenetic Morphogenetic sites. That Rupert yes. Sheldrake speaks so eloquently about. Yes. What's happening there? What's happening is, in our 3D reality, we have two types of vortexes. Uh, vortices, I think is the right word. Mm. Uh, for from the connecting our world to the paranormal world and paranormal phenomena. Uh, and those two types of nodes, of vortices, are one, people, like the young lady, uh, Lisa, that we listened to. Mm -hmm. uh, that is one type. The other type are geographic locations, spots in time and space that for some reason have been designated, set aside, and are forever designated gateways. Designated by who or what, you think? By the universe. That's the only thing it could be. Uh, it's just, or by history. Something happened. Something went on in, in this place that made it permanently a gateway or a wormhole to other realities. That's, so that's much talking about that. There, obviously, there's a science to this, I suppose, in, in the realm of quantum uh, physics particularly. We're talking about, are, I, I should pose this as a question, are we talking about areas that there is just a... a a huge amount of electromagnetic energy that's sort of yes. converging and yes. condensing and making for these things to happen. I know I'm oversimplifying, mm -hmm. but am I, are we on the right track there? Yes, and sometimes these areas can be small, can be geographically small, uh, tiny, uh, just small gateways, or sometimes they can be very large areas. I can tell you, for example, that uh, uh, the uh, place England, in England, mm -hmm. about half of England is a morphogenic site where we see these crop circles okay. and we see these generation of these incredible crop circles trying to give us signals and messages. And the reason for that is because uh, in the, uh, I think it was like the 6th sixth, sixth century uh, BC, uh, the Roman Empire invaded these areas of England, uh, of Celtic, Celtic areas. And the first thing they did was they took the shamanic class of all these primitive societies and they murdered them all. They murdered all of them and their blood ran into the ground throughout England. And that was a, that was a huge thing for them because they had decided that they had to get rid 
of the class of people in those societies. And, and they repeated, repeated the same thing in parts of Germany and other areas too. They, would, they had gotten the word that they had to kill all the shamanic classes to get rid of their religion, mm -hmm. their supernatural religion and their what they believe so that they could reform those societies. Like the witches of Salem, obviously. Yes. This is throughout history. Yes. And when that blood ran in the ground, it created these permanent morphogenic sites throughout England as That's well. That's huge yeah. because, woo, lights are going off here. Yeah. We are electrical beings yes. and therefore our blood is has an electromagnetic component. Yes. That's a very interesting thing because when we were talking off air and you were talking about these nodes, we are, what I tried to translate and ask you is, are we perhaps conduits, electromagnetic conduits for when these sightings are occurring, yeah. particularly with certain people, yeah. may have a, a more of a propensity toward a, uh, these sorts of experiences, something about their electromagnetic configuration is yeah. sort of meeting up with the electromagnetic, these nodes around the planet, yeah. right? Yes, I, Again, absolutely. this is complex, John. It is. But it is, but the important thing is that people who are like Lisa, for instance, need to find a way to generate this energy ah. in a positive way and with positive results, with good things. How might one go about doing that? You have to find support with other people. Other people who've had these experiences and that know what is going on. That's, that's why I write my books. Yeah. That's why I point out, also what I do is I point out situations where people couldn't get control of these abilities, yeah. of these realities. And sometimes those things end tragically. And I write about those too so that we can learn from those instances and try to avoid them. That's serious. Yeah. Let's talk about these books. There's three I, I was saying off, offline, you're just a writing not fool, because you're not, you're not, you're no fool, but you're writing all the time. Look at this. But the question about clear here is, and I'm really excited. I'm honored that uh, John has allowed me to review. I'm going to read these books. We'll be talking about these books more. Is Lisa a clear hearer? You think? I think she is, because a clear hearer is simply uh, someone who hears, who receives, who receives a great voice of authority at different times, which is very different from voice hearers. Which is voice hearers are people with a condition that they want to get rid of uh, and, and so the clear hearers have hallmarks of what they have. It's a clear voice, short messages that come to them, mm -hmm. tell them things that help them, uplift them and always have a positive effect on the person's body. Always a positive message? It, ha it has to be positive or a positive action. These things can also carry out actions, imagery, and help the person in their lives, especially when they're having a crisis or some kind of uh, uh, that some kind of uh, problem. Uh, okay. Especially that endangers their life. Too. Right. What is the difference? This, this is a term I believe you coined. Yes. Yeah. What is the difference, if any, between a clear hearer and someone who is clairaudient, if any? Oh, it's it's the same. But clairaudient is it's a French word that dates back to Joan of Arc, who Joan of Arc, the uh, young lady who actually saved France from going out of existence in the 14th century. And she was the first really globally known clear hearer. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's where the term clairaudient, which is clairaudient, yes. clairaudient uh, comes from. And to, until today, we've never even had a, a, an English word for clairaudient. Well, right. until now, because that's clear what clear hearer. hearers is. That's clear hearer is the English translation of clairaudient, because we have a lot of Americans 
and famous Americans have had these experiences uh, uh, throughout uh, time. Philip K. Dick is one of the historical figures I talk about in here. The great writer, Philip K. Dick, he had a public press conference about his clear voice that he would receive. And he talked about the messages, and that's available today on mm. YouTube. Anybody can see that oh, interview. Oh, is some of that in here? Oh, all of that is in oh, there, boy. along with other historical figures like Winston Churchill, who had a clear hearing, clear hearing experiences. But his handlers would say that it was because he was a drunk, because they rather that people think he's a drunk than than that he's receiving a voice yeah. of authority. Yeah. So that's okay. that's how that sort of thing goes. Let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit, shall yeah. we? Yeah. Before we uh, we've got a yeah. few minutes left, but I want to take you there for a minute. There's so much talk today, John, about. Uh, what you might call exotic technologies, yeah. including something that's been referred to as voice-to-skull technology. Oh, yeah, scalar. You're coming from the world yeah. of intelligence. I, yes. I know you will not divulge what you cannot, but again, if one is having, I mean, even tinnitus these days are ringing in the ears, people are speculating that there may be some sort of a pulsing that's going on vis-a-vis -vis these technologies. There is. Again, I know that you're sort of delineating that clear hearing is about positive and, and actionable messages. Mm -hmm. And yet, there's, it's so difficult, I think, for so many of these days. There are a lot of people that are hearing things. That's right. And I, I don't mean to be, I'm not being facetious at all about that. I think it's very serious. Yeah. Not to mention, unfortunately, some of these individuals that are committing heinous crimes yeah. and have said, and the mainstream is even making mention that the person was reported to hear voices. Yes. How would one delineate between this clear hearing versus voice to skull versus yeah. clear audience mm -hmm. ad infinitum? Well, that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book, because people need to learn what their great voice is, and even their still small voice as well. And they it's need to learn it, listen to it, learn, learn what it sounds like, and learn what it is and how to feel it because this voice to skull technology is real it is in the hands of national government not just our national but all the national governments they have it they are using it and so we need to distinguish so that we'll know when it's being used on us and towards the end of my book i have a big a big paragraph with red letters says warning 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 the voice to skull technology is real. It will be used on the populace at large I'm eventually. It, right it will be used on us. And so we need to know so that when it comes and when you when the government decides to beam something to you that says, Hey, you know, this is Jesus Christ and I want you to go and do this, you're gonna know this is not this is not a voice. This that's is real. really happening yeah. now. It's happening right now, yes. There's that technology is being used all over the place, and it's being used not just in uh, M instances of like MK Ultra type situations where they're trying to create these scenarios, uh, but also it's being used in political situations yeah, too. Yeah, I have heard that. And military, so so we really and it's kept kind of down low, but it is being used. So we need to protect ourselves by learning what is our inner voice. How do we receive it so that when the fake one comes, we'll say, hey, this wasn't real. We know this isn't real. It's heavy stuff. Yeah. This does sound, this is, we are talking to the X-Men after all. Uh, this is straight out of X-Files. You think Chris is listening? I hope he is. 
And I, I, I want to be, I want to yeah. be in the next movie. I want to yeah. be oh, the vaping there you man. Hear. Chris, if Chris Carter, if you're listening, <laughs> you, you got it right here. Yeah. You know about the X Men already. Listen, we're gonna wind down because I hear this music pumping up. Look, how can you not party in a beautiful place like this? Yeah. They got the three pools down here, and kids are swimming, and the music is pumping. So we don't want to barrage you with lots of sounds. So we are gonna wind down. But before we do, again, he's a right man. Let's talk about the extra dimensionals and the para investigators. Yeah. Both beautiful covers, by oh, the way. Thank you. The extra dimensionals is just the explanation of what who re alien visitors really are, where they're really coming from, and what they really want from us. Because it matters a lot, especially right now, because ufology hasn't really moved anywhere in the last sixty years. And I that's would agree. and that's because we're just staying in the same paradigm. Yeah. We're not allowed to look outside. So that's why that's what the extra dimensionals is all about. True tales and concepts of alien visitors. I'm yeah. hearing from more and more people, John, my listeners. They know we covered this topic yeah. broadly. Uh, yeah. This has really become a mainstay of my of my yeah. show. Yeah. So uh, you can imagine the, the and thank you so much for sending your your own stories. Uh, just like Lisa, not just like because the stories are so yeah. broad, yeah. but. We're hearing more about, uh, you know, obviously contact. I don't. I'm loath to call it abduction, but people that have had experiences uh, feel maybe lifelong, mm -hmm. um, and more of them are talking about the idea that they feel that they are extra-dimensional oh, yeah. versus extraterrestrial in the way we understand right. it to be. We're right. gonna have another show and talk about that. But let's, Good. in the meantime, talk about the para investigators' 52, 52 true tales and concepts of super naturally gifted investigators. Why did yes. you pick 52? Uh, it <laughs> just came to me. <laughs> Is that a significant number? I guess so. We'll figure out. I'll figure it out someday. Okay. But yeah, this is and this is about people in law enforcement, uh, people who are cops, FBI agents, uh, even security guards. Who, that came forward to you. Who, yes, and who have, and my own experiences too, of the paranormal. And this can be ghostly experiences, UFO experiences, uh, all types of all types of extra dimensional experiences mm -hmm. that came to them during law enforcement work. Right, right. So that uh, this is, is pretty wild. Packed. Yeah. I'm going to make sure we have links, proper links for uh, all of these books. I can't wait to dig in. And it's conveniently summertime, so they're going to be on my summer reading list. We're going to sign off here because we're going to go into meltdown mode. Guys, It's it's got to be in excess of 100. We're probably looking at about 115 in the next day or so. So I'm going to say thank you to all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you, at Alexis. long last. And great. Get a good shot Finally. at his face. You're going to be seeing a lot more of him on, on higher journeys if, if he will Thanks. grace us with his presence. Thank John you. D'Souza, thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Really appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you so much. Likewise. And as always, we thank you for tuning in to Higher Journeys. Take care.